Our scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. God's promise of entering His rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter His rest. As for others, God said, in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since He made the world. We know it is ready because the place in the Scriptures where it is mentioned the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all His work. But in other passages, God said, they will never enter My place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering this rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving him this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did not after creating the world. Will you pray with me now, please? Heavenly Father, you have given us this beautiful day and we thank you for it. We also thank you for the freedom to come before you and give our praise and worship to you. You know of our need for rain better than we. We do not know that it is your time and season that you will deliver the rains we so want. For this, we give you our thanks in advance. Lord, we ask you to send the Holy Spirit in a powerful way to guide the leaders of the world's nations, especially those of the United States, that peace and harmony within the nations will prevail. Father, we so often come to you with an open prayer of thankfulness for all the many blessings you give us that enrich our lives. And we leave it at that. Forgive us. Our problem is we take so many blessings for granted. Two of those have been enjoyed by all of us this morning. A smile. Smiles brighten our lives. A smile between family members share love. A smile between friends share respect. And even the smile of a stranger he recognizes our worth as a human. All of these brighten our day. 
like a smile. Laughter brightens any mood. A good hearty laugh that takes our breath away and brings tend to our eyes can make our feelings soar with the joy of life. For these blessings, Father, we truly give you our thanks. Lord, we do not take for granted Brian and his family as we lift them up to you for special blessings and with our humble gratitude. The greater blessing in our lives is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure to subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. The text that was read for us today, a great line in the midst of it, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for us. Um, when our kids were little, somewhere along the way, I can't remember when exactly we started it, but we uh, built a set of bookshelves, and they were just kind of some ordinary bookshelves that would be, I believe they were supposed to go in our oldest daughter's bedroom. And so we built them, and then we thought, you know, I think we built them when we were students uh, in grad school, and so there were there we knew that we'd be moving around a little bit, apartment to house, and eventually back to Texas, and we didn't have the luxury of having a door jam to mark our kids' height. So we just went ahead and said, you know what, we'll just do it on this bookshelf. And so with much precision, we set that up, and we got the speed square out so the lines would be straight. Uh, we we took you know, a little, little square, measured all the kids, and we kind of got them started. And it was fun because the night that we did this for the first time, uh, one of our friends was over and their little Lucy was there and, and Lucy was just starting to walk. And so we thought, heck, we'll just measure Lucy too. And so we got Lucy in there. So you can still look on that bookshelf today and you'll see the names and initials of our kids. And then way down here at the bottom, you got Lucy. <laughs> and so it's a great picture for me. It reminds me that uh, every, we try to do it in October and February, we, you know, rarely catch those times, but it, when we do, it's an exercise for us to stop and to make a, an actual, you know, math mark that says, this is how tall you were at this time. Uh, and we just, we just kind of pause and marvel at, wow, how much you've grown. And then as they grow up, you know, we just kind of laugh. And then we, then we use that time as a time to just kind of marvel at, who they've become, regardless of how tall they are, or once they're fully grown and they're not growing anymore, or we stand there and realize, gosh, yeah, I think my, I think my line's coming down a little bit. Um, but uh, we, we pause and we observe and we record uh, everything that we've seen. I was just talking to, to one of you last Sunday, and we were just talking about uh, some of our kids and how, my goodness, you know, when you see them every day, you don't, you don't tend to notice as much okay, gosh, yeah, they've really grown. But when you only see them every so often, or even in my case, if I, if I see them once a week, I notice those growth spurts. It's like, my goodness, can't believe. So it's fun to just realize that th there are times that we pause and take inventory. And I think that's a great segue into the conversation about Sabbath, because Sabbath keeping has a lot to do with pausing and taking inventory. Pausing and standing up against the shelf and 
marking your height, just kind of say, okay, where are we today? It's like a calibration or a recalibration. And just as we pause and say, oh, behold, child, you are now five foot three. Um, we pause and, and we, we hear those words of an affirming father say, behold, you are my son, you are my daughter. Uh, you are not a slave, you're a child. And you are not defined by your work. And therefore, uh, this day, pause and rest and reflect on the nature of your being, the nature of your belovedness that transcends anything you will ever accomplish in this life. We pause to observe and remember. I think the word pause is more helpful maybe in English than even the word rest in this context. It kind of gets more at the sense of the word. When we say rest, a lot of times we just think we think of pure physical, like, oh, I'm just going to stop and rest for a second. Uh, or I'm going to rest in, in this way, but I'm still really active. I think the word pause kind of captures uh, what happened. And it reminds us, you know, God did not rest on the seventh day because he was tired. You know, he wasn't worn out from creation, but he paused to reflect on everything that had been created. And he said, wow, okay, this is good. Not only is this good, this is very good. And so just as God paused on the seventh day uh, to, and looked back over the six days of work, uh, we pause on our seventh day somewhere along the way, and we say, what a gift that we had the ability to work and to produce things. But today, uh, we reflect on uh, how good creation is. And our new creation that's collective, of being the children of God, we observe that and we remember that. and We enter into that resting, into that great pause. Today and next week, we'll just have a little mini-series here on the theology of work uh, and theology of Sabbath. I, I originally was going to do a theology of work on Labor Day weekend. Uh, I know, very inspiring. Wow, where did that come from? Uh, Labor Day, I thought, what, what's the purpose of work? You know, what do the scriptures say about work? What do we believe as Christians about work? But I thought, well, we really can't talk about work unless we talk about Sabbath, because uh, all of our work is directed towards the Sabbath. All of our work that we do Monday through Saturday finds its fulfillment in uh, our arrival and our rest and our pausing uh, as we celebrate on, on a Sunday or whichever day we're pausing to celebrate. As God paused on the seventh day and surveyed everything he created, uh, we have the opportunity by faith, as the writer of Hebrews reminds us, to pause and take an appreciation inventory of our own, uh, much like Watson did in his prayer, to name specific things that don't cost us anything. They're just ordinary, everyday blessings of a, of a smile or something like that. So we, we take a little appreciation inventory and we remember that we are not slaves. Remember, that was the other, that was the Deuteronomy commandment about Sabbath was uh, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. And so you're no longer slaves, and this gives you the great opportunity to reflect back and remember uh, that that's not who we are. So we remember we're not slaves, that rather we are children of God. We are co you know, we talk about being co-creators with God on days one through six, our Monday through Saturday. We're we are entering into God's work. Uh, God created, God worked and created, and we continue the creation process by things that we make, things that we create, uh, everything from our families to the things that we build, to the corporations that we run, to the relationships that we have. We're, we're co-workers with God. So it kind of makes sense to think of it that way. As God rested then or paused on the seventh day, we, we enter into God's 
pause. We enter into God's rest. So we become kind of co-pausers uh, with God, even though that's not a real word. I realize that, but it's, that's what we're doing. Uh, we're co-workers with God and we are co-pausers with God on the Sabbath. Uh, the best book that I've ever read on the subject of Sabbath is by, uh, it was written in 1951 by Abraham Joshua Heschel. Uh, it was a Jewish uh, theology professor and uh, he has this great thing to say about Sabbath. He said, Sabbath is a day for the soul. Uh, the world has our hands, but our soul belongs to God. Isn't that great? The world has our hands, but our soul belongs to God. Six days of the week, we seek to dominate the world, to have dominion over the world. The seventh day, we pause to have dominion over the soul. We pause to dominate the soul, not in a bad sense, but in a way of having dominion over our own souls. Sabbath is really not much more than communion. Sabbath is sort of an ongoing communion with God, something that's intentional. Anything that will remind us that our greatest purpose in life is not what we produce, but who we were created to be and become. That we, uh, in, in, in worshiping God, in offering our lives to God, we find our greatest purpose, our greatest sense of being. And so it's like on Sabbath, we're pausing to see, to survey. And we survey, you know, in really the first place we start, even when we want to look at ourselves or we want to look at our neighbor, it's helpful to start with God, to stop and pause. And that's why it's so helpful to worship on our, on our time that we pause for Sabbath because we behold God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We're, we're pausing to see that today. Uh, and, it, and it helps us see ourselves better in a better light. It helps us see others in a more healthy light. And so we're seeing God we're, we're surveying all that God has spoken to us. Uh, we're surveying what God is doing inside of us and what he may want to do in the lives of others around us. So we notice, we take inventory, just like we did on the bookshelves or the door jams. We take inventory about where we are in this moment in time. Uh, rather than trying to beat the clock, or as we often say, right, we're trying to get all we can to squeeze everything we can out of the clock. At this moment, we're just, we're just pausing to let the clock be what the clock is. And we're going to observe other things and not be in a hurry. Sabbath is about enjoyment. Sabbath is about happiness, finding our true happiness in God and in one another. Uh, any Sabbath keeping that doesn't bring enjoyment is probably a little bit off the rails. It should always bring an enjoyment, a basic, ordinary enjoyment as we pause to take inventory of what is going on in us and around us, the very work of the living God. We, we survey what has been created, uh, maybe what we were able to accomplish in the six days prior. We give thanks to God for that. Maybe we look ahead a little bit to the week ahead, uh, but we pause in our belovedness. We pause to survey all that God has done and is doing. And it's such an important piece to keep in mind other people who may need space to rest or pause as well. That's why I love having Lucy's name on the bookshelf, because it reminds me it's not just about my little family. 
It's about anyone else that needs space or someone to stop and see them in a day and say, oh, look at you. You're three feet six tall, you know? Or we see a neighbor and say, hey, look at you, what you were able to do, or I see you this week, or here's a meal, or here's really ordinary things that we do in the lives of our neighbors. We make room in our lives for others to pause and recognize that they too are are beloved in the eyes of God. The author of Hebrews it's pretty clear in the opening chapters, and it really picks up steam towards the end of the book, that he is, he is concerned, he or she uh, is concerned that uh, the, the spiritual lives of the churches that they're writing to have kind of slipped into a spiritual apathy. They're, they're, they're tending to not meet together. They're tending to say, you know, I'm okay with Jesus, but I just don't like organized religion. They're tending to say, um, I just really don't, you know, I don't want to get into all that. I mean, all institutions are corrupt, so I just don't want to meet together anymore. They're saying things like, hey, I was already baptized. I was already saved. I don't have to mess with that stuff anymore. Uh, and so the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, guys, wake up. Do you think if God didn't give our ancestors rest because they failed to, they hardened their hearts. You think he won't do the same thing for us? He said, if, you know, they were already in the promised land for crying out loud and David's still writing and God's still speaking to David saying, hey, there's a, there's a promised land that still remains that you haven't entered yet. They were physically in the promised land, but there was still a place to go, a place of God's rest, a place to enter God's pause. That's sort of like, heaven coming down to earth and being with us anytime we're in the midst of the presence of God. Make every effort, therefore, says the writer of Hebrews, to enter God's rest today, not yesterday, not 20 years ago, but today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your hearts. Offer your hearts to the living God. When we talk about Sabbath, and I think as we're trying to listen to the text of Hebrews 4, uh, there's a couple of things that occur to me that, that are required. Uh, and one is very practical. The other one is not as practical, but ends up being kind of practical, but uh, has less to do with when it talks about striving, make every effort to enter. The first one is simply belief. You know, faith is a requirement of Sabbath. If we don't trust that God is who God is, if we don't trust that God is the creator of all things, we begin to think maybe there's not enough. Maybe I'm not enough as a person. Maybe what I did this week was not enough. Maybe my kids' grades aren't enough. Maybe, right, and we go all the way down and we say, maybe there's not enough resources for me to live the life that I think I'm called to live. And so we, we get smaller and smaller and smaller and we kind of get this scarcity mentality, even in the kingdom of God. And so um, it's good to remember that Sabbath requires faith, or else we would never stop. I mean, I, my personality is to, to just not ever stop until I crash. I mean, work, 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 work. And if you feel like, you know, more, you're not getting enough done, well, you just work harder. Uh, and so the, this is the gift of Sabbath. This is why God gives us the Sabbath, is to remind us that we're not machines, and we have to pause to take these inventories, these surveys. So faith. In verse 2 of chapter 4, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listen. But he says, We, on the other hand, have believed, and so we enter that rest. As God has said, as I swore in my wrath, they will never enter my rest. So where our ancestors didn't get to enter the rest of God, even though their feet were in the cotton-picking promised land, we have a chance to do that. We pause and we enter God's rest. 
while the promise of entering God's rest still stands, go, you know, pause, make every effort to pause, enter God's rest. In addition to faith, though, uh, there is action that is required. You know, I think of James here, you know, faith without works is dead. Uh, We have action, I mean, excuse me, we have faith, and that's wonderful. That puts us kind of on the doorstep of of practicing Sabbath, of pausing. But then we just have to, you know, get out our calendars and find the pause somewhere. Uh, I have friends who, you know, certain times of day, they're just not available on their phones. And they'll let you know that. And miracle of all miracles, people just figure that out. And then they don't call during that time. They go, oh, that's when Joe Bob turns his phone off, you know, or, oh, it's Sunday. He's with his family at church. Maybe he doesn't have his phone on. Well, that, that would be a thing. Uh, but we have all these different ways that we can do that with our calendars and talking to our families, talking to our neighbors, you know, coordinating around all the other things that we have going on. Um, it's just a practical, basic thing. Um, I'm so thankful that when we were in seminary, uh, I, and, I, and I felt all this extra pressure to perform, to be good in school, to get out as quick as I could because my family was making all these sacrifices to be there. And we left our home country and went to this foreign country called Kentucky. And we didn't know what was up or down. It was too hot. It was too humid. It was weird. And we were just trying to make sense of it all. And early on in that process, uh, my wife really helped me again as someone who understands the dominion of my soul and what happens when I'm not having dominion over my soul. Uh, It was like, I really think we need 24 hours. Uh, you know, we're not working in a church right now. Let's just find it. Let's make it on Saturday night. So five o'clock Saturday, we would shut everything down. No more seminary work, none of that. And we would just turn everything off and I'd pick it back up Sunday at five o'clock. And I think that saved my soul during seminary because I, it was at least 24 hours in every week that I said, you know what? The world's still going to keep turning if I make a B, if I fail a class, if I don't learn every possible thing. So, you know, you get the idea. We all have to come to these moments where we learn what is best for us in this stage of life. What is it going to take for us to let the ground lay fallow? Farmers know this. That's, that takes great faith to let your land lay fallow because it's not producing. You're missing an opportunity. But of course, you have something greater that you're looking for on the horizon. And the soil health is so important that every now and then it's important to let the ground lay fallow. So we pause and we submit ourselves to uh, the double-edged sword, as Hebrews continues, of the Word of God, which for those who are not receiving the Word of God becomes judgment, but for those of us who are believing and trying to enter the rest of God, the double-edged sword becomes, it becomes like a surgeon's scalpel. It becomes a loving thing where an incision is made for the, the, the unhealed places to be removed and for things to be healed up and bound up. And that's what the Word of God does. Nothing is missed, right? Nothing is missed by the Word of God. It gets down to the very core of who we are, dividing uh, soul and spirit, uh, marrow, all that stuff. Uh, that's what we're doing as we're submitting ourselves to that in the Sabbath process. So, In light of this invitation and this commandment to make every effort to enter uh, God's pause, to enter the rest of God, what would it look like for us? What would it look like for me? What would it look like for you to pause in your current weekday rhythms, to quiet the noise, to survey God, to survey yourself, to survey others? And then who could I invite 
into this space? Who could I invite into these rhythms with me that also needs to pause and remember our greatest purpose for being created? I think if we could work to answer those questions that we would find ways to arrive at a healthy place uh, on the subject. And it's such a joy to be able to celebrate today and be reminded, all of us who have been through these waters in the past, that one of the great ways that we enter God's rest is through the sacrament of baptism. Uh, The sacrament of baptism reminds us that uh, we are beloved in our very essence, right? We are a new creation, and the waters wash us clean. They wash over our soul, and this gives us the ability to even have dominion over our soul in the first place in the way uh, that God is looking for. Uh, It's sort of an eternal Sabbath that begins in our own lives. Uh, and we, we look back to our baptism as a starting point uh, for so much of that. So uh, we're going to pause and pray uh, and celebrate that. And I'm going to uh, invite the Hartshorn family and, and their sponsors and uh, godparents up here uh, as we continue in the service with this great gift. So Father in heaven, thank you uh, for the gift of a pause, the gift of rest, where you remind us who we are and that it is to you that we belong. We pray that you would speak to us, that you would help us find a pause uh, to grow and to find space in our lives for the work that you intend to do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.